0: le Hey, yeah, you have no idea what I said, do you? This, this is what's sad. After two weeks, the Basutu people still have no idea what I said either. I was just trying to say hello, men and women, and uh-huh. they, just, they laughed at me, just like you did every time I said it. I tried my best. It is uh, it's good to be back here. And uh, it's going to be kind of different. Every time I've preached the last two weeks, I've had somebody standing next to me that's heard everything I've said in English and then made it sound better in Basutu. You guys get it straight from the fire hydrant today, and there's nobody to clean it up in between. So hopefully it'll work out well. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. John 1, 19 through 34, and I want to preach to you today on unmistaken identity. Unmistaken identity. Still hear a few pages turning, so I'll, I'll let them keep turning. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you can uh, follow along with the verses on the screen behind me. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. The Bible says this, now this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you, whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabarbara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The main truth that I want you to get from this message today is that knowing your identity and Jesus' identity helps you understand helps you know God's purpose and God's plan. Knowing your identity and knowing Jesus' identity helps you know God's purpose and plan. In verses 19 through 28, we read of an interaction between John the Baptist and some priests and Levites from Jerusalem. In their conversation, we hear John confessing clearly that he is not the Christ. Nor is he Elijah or the prophet. He quoted Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 simply stating that he was one voice crying in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord. He was baptizing people in water foreshadowing the cleansing from sin that only the Lamb of God would provide. It is in John's identification of himself in verses 19 through 28 that we learn the lesson of knowing our identity. So let's just break this identification process down into more detail. You need to know your identity just as John knew his. In verses 19 through 21, we see that John knew his identity because he knew who he was not. If you're going to know your identity, you need to know who you are not. It's been said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. This was the attitude of John the Baptist. He didn't think less of himself. He just thought of himself less. He knew he wasn't the most important thing since sliced bread. John knew that he was nothing more than one preacher proclaiming the message that God had given to him. In order to properly identify yourself, you need to know who you are not. So let me ask this question. It'll sound kind of funny. Who are you not? Good. Rhonda knows it. Some of you may have thought some really great things about yourself that are simply not true. My dad used to tell me, boy, you think you're hot snot on a silver platter, but you're nothing but cold boogers on a paper plate. You can write that down in your notes. I'm sure it's it's worth repeating. Listen, some, some of you really may have thought some things about yourself that simply aren't true. Some of you may be under pressure from others who have labeled you something that's not right, whether good or bad. Some of you may have tried really hard for a long time to be someone that you're not. Let me give you an example. I'll make it personal for me so you don't have to out loud. Is that fair? I am not the best preacher in the world. I don't know if you knew that, but I came to the realization this morning. I'm not. I know it. I am not a perfect husband or a perfect father. I am not a charming, charismatic leader who can make 1,000 people show up to worship in the sanctuary every Sunday morning. I'm not. I know it. And it's a good thing to know who I am not. It's a good thing to know who you're not. Now, I want to ask you the question one more time. Who are you not? What do you think about it? Maybe even write it down. Look, hey, if you need to while I'm preaching, you can say it out loud. It'll be just fine. In order to know your identity and God's purpose for your life, you need to know who you are not. John the Baptist said he wasn't the Christ That word Christ means anointed one. It was God's chosen, anointed individual that he was going to send into the world to save people from their sins. John said, that's not me. John said, I'm not Elijah. The Jews in their theology had correctly come to the belief that Elijah was going to appear as a forerunner before the great day of the Lord. Still to this day, At their festival suppers, Jewish families will gather around the table and leave an empty chair for Elijah. John the Baptist said, my name's John, it's not Elijah, it's not me. He also said, I'm not the prophet. You'll notice that word prophets capitalized in most of our English translations. This is a specific reference to a prophecy back in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15. When God told Moses that he was going to raise up a prophet like him from among his brothers. This prophet was ultimately to be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. John said, that's not me. John knew who he was not. You need to know who you're not. John also knew who he was. And we need to know who we are. In verses 22 through 24... They wanted to uh, kind of hone in on who John was. He told him he wasn't the Christ or Elijah or the prophet. So he said, what do you say about yourself? Who are you? I want to ask you this non-rhetorical question. It means you can answer out loud. If you want. I won't make you. Are you ready? Who are you? All right, maybe it is a rhetorical question. Uh some of you are going to answer with a name, right? Some of you may answer with your family's last name. Uh, some of you may answer with your profession, what you do in life. Some of you may identify yourselves in some other way. Lots of different people, lots of different responses. For uh, the couple of you who participated, we'll be handing out gold stars later so you can put on your chart. For those who didn't participate, don't worry, there's no gold stars, okay? Okay? Um, I don't have a personal social media account on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, but apparently it is all the rage to identify yourself in some way on your description. You get a name, you get a picture. Some people do some really creative stuff. Some people do some really weird stuff, too. But I guess if I was today's standard Baptist pastor and had one of these accounts... On this little description line, I would put something like follower of Jesus, husband of Stephanie, father of five loud and wonderful kids, pastor of FBCWR, right? It's kind of like what Dr. Walker puts on his Facebook page. I'm just going with that. You know how it works. You sum up the total of your life with a few short phrases, making sure you get the priorities right. If John the Baptist had a Twitter account, his personal description would have said this. The voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord. That's who he was. And he knew who he was. He was just one man with one voice clearing the way for the coming Christ. And here's the thing for John. It didn't matter who asked him or when they asked him. His answer wasn't going to change. Did you notice in verse 24 that it says it wasn't just priests and Levites from Jerusalem who were randomly asking him who he was? It was Pharisees who had been sent for the purpose of investigating John. And John was probably clever enough to understand where these questions were coming from. These weren't just curious people who were excited about him baptizing folks. These were people who had most likely come to criticize him and who were very concerned about what he was doing. But John didn't bat an eyelash. He answered with bold confidence who he was. He didn't change his answer for the Pharisees. He didn't change his answer for his parents. He was who he was, and he didn't pretend to be anything different. Is who you are when you're here this morning who you are on Monday when you go to work? Is who you are on Facebook who you are when people really see you face to face? If you call yourself a follower of Christ, do you only follow Christ when you're around other Christians? Or do you follow him even when you're walking against the crowd? Even when you're walking all alone? If you're just putting on a show for yourself or for others or for God, then who you are really becomes evident not when everybody's watching you put on the show, but after the curtain falls. That's who you are. In order to know your identity and God's purpose for your life, You need to know who you are all the time. John knew who he was. A voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord. Not only did John know who he was not, not only did John know who he was, but John knew what he was doing. If you're going to know your identity, you need to know who you're not, who you are, and you need to know what you do. In verses 25 through 28, these people began to ask John why he was baptizing. Since John wasn't the Christ, or Elijah, or the prophet, and since he was just one voice crying out in the wilderness, the religious leaders wanted to know, why are you baptizing these folks? The reason for John doing these things was simple. He was baptizing people so that they would be ready for the Christ when he came. Do you know what you're doing in life and why you're doing what you're doing? At the outset of our mission trip two weeks ago, Bryson and I met a young Afrikaans at the Newark airport while we were waiting for our flight to Johannesburg. He was flying back home to go to Pretoria to see his family after having worked in Canada for several months. He asked me where we were going. And I told him we were flying to Johannesburg, but going to Lesotho from there. And with a really puzzled look on his face, he asked, why? I mean, just like that, why? It was a look that said, why on earth would you leave Arkansas to go to Lesotho? So Bryson and I told him we were going on a mission trip to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Basutu people. I mean, it was just a simple question. It was a simple answer. We knew exactly what we were going to do, why we were doing it. And it was a clarifying moment to me when I just had to answer that simple question in the airport. But it also made me stop and think to ask myself this question beyond the mission trip. What am I doing? And why am I doing it? That that is easy when you're in an airport headed to Lesotho. Why else would I be going? Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Lesotho people. But if somebody walked into the church office tomorrow morning and said, Jake, what are you doing? What would my answer be? If somebody were to grab you Tuesday afternoon after you get home, you sit down in your recliner, or ladies, you go to the kitchen, and, and somebody says, what are you doing? What would you say? It might cause you to pause for just a minute. Why am I about to sit down and flip on the TV? Why am I about to wash all these dishes? Why am I about to balance the checkbook? Why am I about to go and do this or do that? Why am I serving as the pastor of First Baptist Walnut Ridge? So I want to ask you that same question that young guy asked me in the airport why what are you doing why are you doing what you're doing why are you farming why are you teaching school why are you traveling why are you sitting at home why are you in school why are you working at the factory why are you whatever it is fill in the blank the same way that I was able to answer that Afrikaans with the precise purpose for my trip to Lesotho is the same way that I should be able to answer the purpose of my activity as the pastor of First Baptist Church, Walnut Ridge, on a daily basis. And it's the same way you ought to be able to answer that question when somebody says, what are you doing and why? I am pastoring this congregation because I want every person in this community to know and to follow Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. I'm not a pastor so I can get paid. I'm not a pastor so I can have the title. I'm not a pastor because I don't have anything else to do. I'm serving as pastor here because I want people to know and follow Jesus. Do you know what you're doing? Do you know why you're doing what you do? Moms, are you raising your kids so that they become ambassadors for the kingdom of Christ? Dads, are you training your children in the truth of Jesus so that they walk with him the rest of their lives on this earth and into eternity and take other people with them? The purpose for which God made you is to point people to Jesus Christ in some way, shape, or form. We can't all be pastors of a pulpit. We can't all be farmers in a field or teachers at a school or workers at a bank. But every single one of us, wherever we are, can and should and must point people to Jesus Christ. So, putting all of these thoughts together, Knowing who you're not, knowing who you are, and knowing what you do gives you an understanding of your identity. God's purpose for your life is to serve Him. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. So I want to ask you this question. Do you know your identity as a servant of God? Do you know your identity as a servant of God? Right now, let's turn our attention to the back half of this passage, beginning in verse 29 and going to verse 34. Knowing your identity and Jesus' identity helps you understand and know God's purpose and plan. You've considered your identity, so now I want you to think with me about Jesus' identity. We need to know Jesus' identity. And we see this in verses 29 through 34. The day following his conversation with the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem, John saw Jesus walking toward him and shouted, Behold! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world! John recognized Jesus as the one sent from God. Not just as his cousin... Who could help him out in a pinch he testified that Jesus had not just come to baptize with water as a man but that he had come to be ba- that he had come to baptize with the Holy Spirit as the Son of God so let's look at verses 29 through 34 in more detail we know Jesus's identity by knowing who Jesus is When John the Baptist shouted loudly that Jesus was the Lamb of God who had come to take away the sin of the world, other people heard him say it. I mean, think about it. If his life's mission was to point people toward the Christ, then you better believe when he saw Jesus coming, he was going to let people know about it. Some of the ones who heard him shout were the same ones who had asked him who he was, and what he was doing just the day before. I want you to look back in verse 19 and tell me who the Bible says those people were. Who were they? Non-rhetorical. I'm waiting until I get an answer. Not just the Jews. The Jews sent specific groups of people. Priests and Levites. Rhonda, you still get a gold star because you're the only one responding today. They were priests. They were Levites. Priests and Levites. Do you know what these guys did on a regular basis? They had to sacrifice unblemished, precious lambs on the altar at the temple in Jerusalem as a symbol of the ultimate sacrifice that God would send in His Son, Jesus Christ, John was not wasting his words when he declared Jesus to be the Lamb of God in the hearing of those priests and Levites. Well, as all of those other people who had come. Finally, all of those sacrifices that had been offered for so long found their meaning in the manifestation of the Messiah. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hebrews 10 chapter Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 through 14 says this And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God From that time, waiting till His enemies are made His footstool. For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Hebrews 10, 11-14. Jesus Christ lived on this earth as the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And He died on the cross for our sins as the atoning sacrifice to take away our sins. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who Jesus is. John knew it. Do you know it? Do you know who Jesus is? John also knew who Jesus was not. Verses 30 through 31. You know, it's kind of interesting when you really stop and think about this uh, interaction. John the Baptist is pointing at his own cousin when he said, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. I want you to be careful and realize that Jesus is not just someone or something that you add to your life. Jesus is the one who takes over your life and gives you new life. Keep in mind that Jesus was John the Baptist's cousin. John was born actually a few months before Jesus was born. They likely had some interaction, but John had not realized prior to this encounter... That Jesus was not just his younger cousin. Rather, that Jesus was the Christ who was before the foundation of the world. John did not just add Jesus to his old life like he was a famous name drop on the family tree. I'm a Baptist preacher. Oh, by the way, Jesus is my cousin. You really ought to listen to me. Jesus is more. Jesus is more than just a good old boy that you respect. He's more than just a good luck charm that you carry around in your pocket with a cross. When we ministered among the Basutu people in Lesotho the past couple weeks, it was just evident that the majority, the vast majority, are just walking in darkness. They don't really know who Jesus is. Many of them have heard Jesus' name. But they've just added Jesus to the darkness that they're living in. In fact, you can do this if you want to. Some of you may already have when you were looking up information about our mission trip. If you Google Asutu or go to Wikipedia, you'll find statistics that says that the nation is like 98.2% Christian. Can I tell you the truth? The nation is 98.2% Catholic. But they're not Catholic like we would think of even here in the United States. Here's what Catholic means in Lesotho. You worship your ancestors. You go to the Sangoma, the witch doctor, to protect you from evil spirits. You pray to all of these dead relatives so that they can help you get better in life at the very best. Or at the very least, that they won't let anything bad befall you as you're living on this earth. Oh, yeah, and Jesus was one of those really neat guys that came to help people, so we're going to believe in him and his mom, Mary, too. That's what they believe. I mean, it is. And you might think, ah, Jake, maybe you're getting it wrong. I'm not getting it wrong. (laughs) Trust me. I can remember Bryson teaching a group of kids at Hamakia, asking them if they knew Jesus. Out of a group of 40 of them, you heard just a couple of yeses. That's tough. But I also want to ask you today to think about whether or not you really know Jesus. Because here's reality. There are some people who even call themselves Christians. Who think that they know Jesus. But they know their own personal made-up version of Jesus. And it goes something like this. I'm going to live my life in America to accumulate as much stuff for myself as I can so that I can make me happy and do what I want to do. And I'm still going to show up to this place called church on Sundays and say that I believe Jesus came a couple thousand years ago, died on the cross for my sins, And I'll even call myself one of his followers. But when it comes to obeying and observing everything in the Bible that Jesus has asked his disciples to do, I'm just going to pick and choose what I want to do and what I want to obey. And that is what I think of Jesus. I mean, we can see it among the Basutu people when they're still walking in darkness. But many times we just kind of skirt around it in America. The truth is, there are people walking in darkness that show up in American churches every Sunday. Sometimes for decades, sometimes for their entire lives. The truth is, they haven't turned their life over to Jesus and let him transform them. They've just added added Jesus to their life that they want. That is not who Jesus is. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You need to understand something. John the Baptist didn't come saying, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world just so people could add Jesus to their life. John the Baptist came preaching that message so that people could be set free from their old life and come to have a new life in Christ. We need to understand who Jesus is not. He's not just a name and a good luck charm that we put in our pocket or slap on our social media profile. Jesus is Lord. But we also need to know what Jesus does. Who Jesus is, who Jesus is not, and what Jesus does. In verses 32 through 34, we see John saying that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel accounts record the event of John baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. The Apostle John's account that we're reading here records John the Baptist's testimony of seeing the Holy Spirit descend and remain upon Jesus. And it also records John the Baptist's testimony of receiving a word from God that the one upon whom the Spirit descended and remained would be the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. This is the work that Jesus still does even today. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. When a person truly trusts in Christ as the Lamb of God, the Holy Spirit comes to live within them and lives through them. Not only is a Christian physically baptized in water as a symbol that Jesus Christ died for them, was buried and rose again, but spiritually when we trust in Jesus, we are baptized in the Spirit of God. We undergo a process of radical transformation and end up bearing eternal fruit in the kingdom of God. This became really clear to me the the last day of our ministry in Lesotho. Both Sundays that Bryson and I were there, we were able to visit Hamakia Church. A church in a village called Hamakia, creatively named, right? And it was a wonderful time worshiping the Lord with people there. The first Sunday that we were there, there were two ladies who had been saved but had not yet been baptized, and they said they wanted to be baptized. And so after the worship service, we went down to Kotze Reservoir, and one of the Baptist pastors from a neighboring village baptized these two ladies in the reservoir. Great day. It's awesome. Hamakia Church doesn't have a, a pastor at the moment. The, the man who was their pastor has gone to South Africa to find work. So it's a group of ladies gathering and worshiping the Lord together and studying the Bible and ministering to kids in their village. It's a really cool place. The first Sunday that we were there, there were only two men in the the congregation that morning. The second Sunday we went back, and both of these men uh, had been believers for a little while, but had not yet been baptized. And so after the service was over with, my Pizzo, who's really a a leader and a servant in that church, uh, said in Tate Jake, these men have been saved but have not been baptized yet. They want to be baptized. Can we baptize them today? And I thought, man, there's water down there. I'm good with it. So I turned and looked at uh, one of the missionaries that we were with, Angie, and I said, hey, can we do this? And she just kind of laughed and said, why not, you know? The man that I had talked to right after the service to make sure that he truly knew Jesus before we just put him in water, his name was uh, Johanne, John, Johanne. He's the husband of Mema Pizza. She has prayed for him for years to come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I didn't realize who, that's who that was. I mean, he's quiet, just kind of sat over there we worship, he'd worship with us, he'd listen to the word preached. But I hadn't really gotten to talk to him until after that worship service the second Sunday we were there. And so I, I said, in Tate Johanne, I'm glad you want to be baptized, but I want to make sure you really know who Jesus is before we baptize you. Can you tell me your story, what your life was like in darkness, how you met Jesus, and what your life is like now in the light? That's how the missionaries encourage these believers to describe their testimony so they can share it with others. It's actually a good way for you guys to record your testimony, too. So you can write that down if you're taking notes. What was your life like in the darkness? How did you meet Jesus? What is your life like now in the light? So I asked him that question, and Mema Tabiso was our translator, and she she asked him for me in Susutu, and he began to share his story. After he was done, Mema Tabiso translated his story for me in English, and it went something like this. In Tate Jake, he says he does not have a long story to tell you, but he did not like God. He hated the things of God, of Jesus and church. He didn't want to come to church. He was tired of listening to his wife tell him about Jesus, but he's come to know that Jesus is the only way to be saved. He has turned away from his sins and he is trusting in Jesus only. He said, to help you understand, he said he was the one who woke his family up this morning and got his two daughters dressed and brought them to church. That's radical transformation. After Mema Tobiso shared his testimony, she began to cry. And she said, Jake, I knew this man. He is not the same man anymore. Jesus has transformed him. That is what Jesus does. Jesus saves a person inside and out. He baptizes them with the Holy Spirit in such a way that they are no longer who they were before. He gives them a new heart, a new mind, a new life. So that they live differently forever and impact others for the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus does indeed change lives. If that story of Intate's Johanny won't do it for you, maybe Ann Wilson's song, Let Me Tell You About My Jesus' Will. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Let me tell you about my Jesus' He turns children of wrath into the sons and daughters of God. He was born on this earth so that you could be born again. Do you know Jesus' identity as the Son of God? I know it's a simple question, but it deserves a straight answer. And some of you may have beat around the bush long enough. You haven't truly trusted in Jesus only. You've been adding Jesus to your life. Jesus didn't come so you could add him to your life. Jesus came so that he could remove your old life full of sin and give you a new life as a child of God. Do you know his identity as the son of God? Knowing your identity and Jesus' identity helps you know God's purpose and plan. You should have an understanding of yourself and of your Savior. God's purpose for your life is to serve Him. And God's plan is to save people through His Son, Jesus. Will you humble yourself and submit to the Lord so that He can do a great work through you? Have you truly come to know and believe that Jesus is God's Son who came to save you from your sin?